0: We are uh, again, as Randy as Randy mentioned, it is a, a day that we have come to honor and to celebrate our our seniors and celebrate as well our, our sixth graders coming up into seventh grade into the youth group today. This is a, a you know a worship service is always about glorifying God and honoring him, and one of the ways that we glorify him is by showing our support and our love for fellow uh, f- fellow Christians and fellow children in his kingdom and so we have an opportunity to do that this morning. I'd like to begin with a with a prayer. Lord, uh, today is a day that we recognize uh, we recognize seven of our our seniors who are graduating, and we just ask that you bless them. We ask that your Spirit continues to fill them, to guide them. And this morning, as as I read from your Word, I ask that our graduates, that the rest of us, will be encouraged that we will be edified by what you have revealed through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, the word graduate, I, ha- I-, I decided to do a, just sort of a look up what that word means, where that comes from. It comes from the Latin word gratis, gratis, and it means degree or step. I think about a stepping stone in life, uh, you know, from one stage of life to the next. Now, graduation is, you know, when we think about graduation, we think about from high school to college or from, from college, uh, graduation. But when you think about, and that can be overwhelming and very daunting, in fact, but when you think about the, the meaning of the word graduate, what I sort of pondered and thought about is that, in, in reality, we, have, we, are all, we are all graduating, Always, there are, there are many graduations in life because there are many stepping stones throughout life. In fact, I would argue that life is about stepping stones, it's about progressing, it's about moving from one stage to the next. Um, and if you're not doing that constantly, if you're not growing, and if you're not moving forward in life, then you're not really living. And the graduation that our, our seniors are, are, are going through right now from high school. Um, on into into the adult world as we as we might call it, college, whatever it may be, whatever their future holds, I think that becomes less intimidating, perhaps less daunting when you think about the fact that I have succeeded in every every stepping stone up until this point so rather than try to figure out well how do i how do I be successful from this point forward, I would change your perspective ask you to change the, perspe- the perspective and ask how do I continue the success that I've had how can I maintain this level of this love of success that I've I have achieved up until this point I want to continue that moving forward and I think this uh, may perhaps this can be relevant for all of us at whatever stage of life you're at whatever stage in your Christian walk uh, you find yourself in and so I'm going to give you some uh, again i don't i don't have all the answers myself, but i I can go to the Word of God and find some great wisdom from from scripture and so that's what I want to do this morning is give you three pieces of wisdom pieces of biblical advice um, if 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 you will uh in in the brief time that we have the first thing that I would say is face your fears and a good example of this is Timothy so Timothy is somebody that perhaps you can relate to, as, as a senior, uh, Timothy was known for his youth. He was known for his inexperience by comparison to the other adults that he would have been surrounded by. And Timothy was given this task of ministering, preaching to this church in Ephesus. And this was not a small task by any means. Ephesus was a city in the first century, like most cities in the Roman world, where Christianity was not... Not exactly welcome into the city. Uh, this was not a. Uh, this was a pagan city. There was idolatry. There was sin. There was wickedness. And Christianity was a was a relatively small movement at this time in the early stages before it just uh, began to grow and begin to take off. And that's the environment that Timothy is in is in in Ephesus. That's where he finds himself leading this. This uh, this church and and preaching to ministering to this church in Ephesus and on top of that he's very young, he and he's and perhaps inexperienced. There are older members of the church who, uh, who who may have despised him or looked down upon him. Like who is this guy leading us? You know, let's get somebody a little bit wiser, a little bit older in age. And Paul tells Timothy, Paul the mentor says, "Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. Don't let anybody despise you for your youth." You realize that. Where you are today is exactly where God has intended for you to be. God is going to accomplish his good, his purposes, through whatever circumstance you find yourself in today. That's the reality. And whatever fear, whatever uh, sense of perhaps lack of self-confidence or that timid spirit that, that you might be sensing, know that that's not from God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God does not give us the spirit of fear, but he gives us power, he gives us love, he gives us self-control. These things are from God. And so the first bit of advice that I would give you is whatever it may be, whatever whatever challenge you may be facing in life, uh, stepping out into an unknown, uh, an unknown field or an unknown frontier, whether it's... You know, moving, uh, moving to another town that may be uh, in your future, uh, getting a job for the first time, a real job in the adult world, um, getting, getting married, having kids, um, all of these things that, that, that are in your potential in your future that can be overwhelming and daunting, know that God does not give you that spirit of fear. God has placed you exactly where he intends for you to be. And that leads into sort of the second point, and that is uh, forget your past. Second b- piece of wisdom from, from the scripture. And let's, let's flip it around. We looked at Timothy. I like to look at Paul. Paul is the mentor to Timothy. And so Paul, Paul, Paul would have a thing or two to say about somebody who very easily could have allowed his past to define who he was in the present if he had chosen to do that. Paul had many reasons to look back on his past and just wallow in in the shame and the guilt of who he was before. He was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was a guy who participated in the death of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. He was also on his way to persecute more Christians uh, um, on his way to Damascus when he encountered Jesus for the first time. So this was a guy whose entire life was dedicated to dedicated to tearing down the church and persecuting Christ himself. And so in a, a sort of a strange twist of fate, Paul at the end of his life finds himself in prison for proclaiming the very Christ that he once persecuted. And what does Paul say in prison? Does he bemoan the the, the fact that, that that he wound up in prison? Does he complain uh, uh, to God? God, why would you why would, you, why would I wind up in here after giving my life to you? Why would you put me in this situation? Maybe it would have been better if I had, uh, if I had continued my, 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 my path in Judaism. If I had continued to, to persecute Christ, it would have been a much easier life perhaps. And it would have been an easier life, no doubt. But that's not what Paul says. Philippians chapter 3. While in prison, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. There are two implications to this statement. Uh, First, Paul refuses to allow his failures in the past to be a destructive force in the present. And then secondly, he refuses to allow his failures to alter his destination. He is not going to be deterred from the prize that he's looking forward to, which is heaven. Heaven is the, is the end goal for him. And every, every, every action that he takes, every, every choice that he makes is with that end goal in mind. How do I get to heaven? I'm here chained to this Roman guard. How do I get to heaven here? Well, I'm going to encourage people around me. I'm going to encourage this guard that I'm chained to. I'm going to teach him about Christ. I'm going to write this letter of joy to, 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 to surrounding churches that Christians can look back and, and, and see how joyful, the joyful life that I had, even in prison, that's what I'm going to do with my life. It's always heavenward focused, Heavenly, it's focused on heaven, and that leads to the, to the final bit of advice that I will give you, and that is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he uses the, the phrase, fix your eyes upon Jesus. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, uh, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, as the NIV says, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God book of hebrews we're, we're studying in our in our Sunday morning class with the teens uh, This was a book written to Christians who were experiencing great persecution. It was not a very popular uh religion. We'll just say that it was definitely um, the, the the temptation would have been to perhaps go back to being a Jew at least a Jew is a sort of a protected class of citizens at least for the time being um, and so the temptation is, why would I continue to be a, a Christian when being a Christian is literally a life or death everyday uh, uh, scenario? I, I could I could live, I could die the next day just for being a Christian. I could be thrown in prison, I could be fed to lions, all, all the numerous things that they did to Christians uh, under the Roman Empire. Um, especially when you get to some of the more wicked uh, emperors in the first century. And yet Paul says you have this great cloud of witnesses that have gone before you. You have these heroes of the Old Testament faith, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, and and on and on and on. There's a a huge list of of names in, in Hebrews 11. These heroes of the faith, they were all faithful, and they were living in anticipation of a fulfilled promise that they would never experience in their lifetime. They were never going to see the risen Savior. That was in the distant future for them. Jesus on a cross, rising from the dead, defeating victory, all of that, they had faith in God, and that reality was not, it was not even a reality for them as far as they, as, as far as they could see. And Paul's, or the writer of Hebrews' point is how much more so should we have faith living with the crucifixion as a historical reality, the resurrection of Christ in our past, something that we can look to and something that we can have hope in. We have all the more reason to have faith. And he says we are to run with endurance the race that is before us. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And then the the the, the point that I want to I want to end on is this phrase fix your eyes. Fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ, the Founder, the perfecter of our faith. Now, um, whenever I, I read this phrase, that I always think of the c- a scene in the movie Apollo 13. If you've never seen Apollo 13, uh, you should go see it. It's a it's a great movie. But in Apollo 13, the Apollo mission has has failed, and the astronauts are on their way back to back to Earth. They're just trying to get home in one piece. And at one point in the movie, they they have to make a crucial course correction. Otherwise, it, it's not going to end so well. And so they have to make this course correction. In order to do this, they have to shut down the main computer, which is going to turn off the automatic navigation. All the NASA mathematicians and scientists have been, you know, entered into the computer for, you know, for, for, for years and years. They put, you know, they, they made, made to a T that this was the right uh, the right flight plan that was going to be shut down for thirty nine seconds and they were going to be in the dead of space and any 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 slight drift off course would have been that would have been the end. so how are they going to do this? How are they going to manually steer the craft for thirty nine seconds and Jim Lovell, who's played by Tom Hanks uh, in the movie he 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 uh, he points out as long as we have a fixed point of reference. We just have to follow that point of reference, and that will guide us where we need to go. Well, what's the reference point when you're in the middle of space? And they look through their little window, and they see Earth. They see their, that's their destination. And so they shut down the computer, and for 39 grueling seconds, they keep Earth in the window. And as long as they're able to do that, they are able to maintain a course, and they're able to make their way home. And I think about that and the question that I that I that I would ask is what is your reference point? What is it that you when you are in the deadness, the darkness of, of sin, when you find yourself helpless or or powerless or um, you find yourself in a position where I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this point. I have you know I have winds pushing me from both sides. I'm in the middle of a uh, of a trial of a storm. What is going to get you out of that? What's going to guide you out of that out of that moment out of that storm? What is in your window? If we fix our eyes upon Christ, that's going to be our guiding light. That is going to guide us. That's going to guide us to where we need to go. That's going to get us out of the out of the darkness. So I'm going to end with that. And um, just as I, you know. As a sort of a a recap of what we talked about, facing your fears. That means that that we are to uh, stand for God in the face of fear. Forgetting your past. Don't be defined by what is behind you. Instead, choose to be defined by Christ and choose to look toward what is ahead. Fixing your eyes upon Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, I ask that you be with our, our graduates this morning. I know that they are perhaps experience a lot, experiencing a lot of emotions, both good and bad, during the-